But I want to talk about a couple of things. One, we're going to finish up our sermon uh, series this morning on Jonah. Um, but we've also got something coming up in a couple of weeks, which is our annual business meeting, where we're going to bring everybody together on Wednesday night, um, uh, the 26th. And uh, we, we, this is where we all come back together and talk about our ministry and kind of vision for the work that's happening. So you'll see if you've got a bulletin inside there, it uh, talks about a couple of things, and we'll talk about it. Uh, just briefly this morning, and um, and then invite everybody who's a member, everybody who's interested, to come out on the 26th. But we've got a couple things that are happening. One, I just want to take us back and look at the our mission statement for our church, New Beginnings Fellowship Church. Um, we've got three, really a three-pronged mission statement. You know, the church gets its mission from Christ, from the Bible. And um, so the, the first part of our mission, the first leg of it, is spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do. We're here to share the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the second part of it is equipping believers to become leaders. Jesus said, go into all the nations, go to the end of the earth, make disciples. And that is beyond just simply uh, leading people to faith in Christ. It is walking with them after that and growing them in their faith and their service. Um, and so that's a co core component of our mission. And then the third one is uniting believers to serve our community by demonstrating compassion for our neighbors. You'll find this somewhat lines up with the message we'll be talking about today from Jonah. Um, this is just real brief. The agenda's in your, um, in your, um, in your bulletin, um, but we will be uh, we, uh, the way our church is structured, we have a board of elders, and uh, we spent a long time, five years ago, studying the book of Acts, studying other churches, studying a, a biblical foundation of church leadership, um, and so we have seven elders that are on different terms, and so we'll be electing two new elders in a, in a couple weeks, it's Brother Jeff Anderson and Roy Spears, uh, and then we have a, a group of deacons that help serve and, and lead in the church. Uh, we'll be electing three of those, Rodney Hampton, Danny Thacker, and Billy Williams. Um, and then uh, you'll have a chance to vote me out if you'd like to uh, on the 26th where we'll reelect our officers. We'll look at our financials and our budget. Um, I want to say all this, say uh, a core component, and you may see if you come in early enough, you'll see Faith Life up on the, the screen. You'll see Faith Life on the coffee bags out front. Um, Faith Life comes from a sermon series I preached, uh, gosh, I don't know, maybe three years ago where we preached through Hebrews chapter 11, which is the, the hall of fame of faith where the writer of Hebrews looks at all the Old Testament patriarchs and, and talks about their faith. And uh, we've had a vision at our church. We've put consistently since we started, we put 10% of everything you all give into what we call an outreach fund. And, um, and, and we've seen that, that work kind of begin to kind of separate itself. It's part of the church, but the role of New Beginnings Fellowship Church is really spread the message of Jesus and build disciples. It's very ministry-oriented. Faith Life Ministries has turned into really this partner, the sister organization from the church. In 2019, we were able to formally incorporate it. It's a 501c3 nonprofit now. So it's a sister organization of the church. But I want you to look at the ministries that have come out over the last three years, things that you all have felt called to, that God has been involved in, from our, our thrift store, and we give free clothes away at the closet, 
Love Covers, Do For One. We've got a boxing gym ministry. Um, and all of this will really become under the umbrella of Faith Life Ministries. As part of that, um, that kind of differentiates the two. Y'all didn't know you was coming to a board meeting, did you? I'm almost finished with this part, I promise. Um, but there's, uh, we're going to be voting on a space to expand the work that's happened with the closet and all these other ministries as it relates to faith life. Um, and this is a space over on Division Street. Um, and it's, it's not been the Land and Sea Grill for a while. It was a sapling center before that, or most recently. Y'all know where that is? Just over across from the courthouse. Um, and so we'll be talking about moving the closet there. There's several thousand square feet of space. And from the time we started the church, I've, um, I've kind of pushed us to, to dream big, to think about, to remind ourselves that if our, if our mission, if our vision for the next year looks absolutely doable by all the resources that we have, then it's not big enough. Does that make sense? That we consistently want to put ourselves in a space where only God can deliver. Like if this happens, God did it. That's where we, this building is an example of that. We started with 20 people in the choir room at Upike. But God willed this place into existence. And, and so, uh, as it turns out, as we were having our elders meeting Monday night, last Monday, and we'd been talking with uh, Clarissa Friend, who owns the building, <clears throat> about this space. God, I sound terrible. I'm sorry. Y'all just have to bear with me. I don't feel bad, if that makes y'all feel any better. <clears throat> um. And I had, and we'd been going back and forth for like three months, and she had to do some work after the last tenants moved out. And it kind of came down to this point. She was like, hey, I got somebody else that wants it. I'm getting ready to rent it out. Uh, Y'all are going to just let me know if you want to do it. That's great. If you don't, don't feel bad. And so I was getting to this point where I felt a little overwhelmed. Y'all ever feel overwhelmed by life? And um, I was thinking, maybe we shouldn't do it right now. Maybe it's not the right time. And um, so I went to the elders meeting, and I said, I've got a copy of the lease. This is what she's, uh, and we just need to let her know, like, tomorrow. It's time. Like, we've, we've bounced around this and uh, not made a decision. We need to let her know tomorrow. And I was like, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And for three years, I've been the one saying, I know we need to do this. And this time I was saying, and everybody else was like, I don't know, I don't know. Well, this time I was like, I don't know. And every elder said, why would we not do this? I was coming to a spot of maybe my faith was a little weak. Maybe I was just worn out. Maybe I was feeling this coming on. I don't know. And so God opened my eyes through that meeting because every one of them, the most some of them, the most conservative, are saying, wait, we doubted God two years ago, but then we stepped out in faith and he provided. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. And God working on me all through this meeting. At the end of it, it was unanimous. Everybody's like, we need to recommend this to the church that we, we get this space to let God do what he wants to do through Faith, Live, faith Life Ministries. 
Um, so we're going to be talking about that space, the 26th. Um, the next day, I had this calendar, this appointment on my schedule for like two months to go tour this space in Ashland called The Neighborhood, led by a nonprofit called Neighbors Helping Neighbors. And, and guess what it is? It's a, it's a space in downtown Ashland uh, for faith-based ministries where they all come together and support the in-need community. And I was walking in, and I was coming from the meeting the night before, thinking, God, you got me last night. I'm back in. I'm ready. Let's do. Your, your dream is bigger than mine. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be in with you. And he already had it set up the next day so I could tour a spot that was a lot like what we'd envisioned here. And I was walking through and thinking, God, you just, you are something else the way that you work. And I thought about how you pursued Jonah, and I thought you pursue me the same way you pursue our congregation the same way. And I'm thankful for that. So I'd invite you to come out <clears throat> as we talk about this on the 26th. And uh, let's all be in prayerful consideration and uh, put our hearts open to God. And say, God, you, you're doing this, not us. We're going to trust you. Um, and it's going to take a group of us to do this, to believe in it, to volunteer, to support. But I have no doubt that he's leading us in the right direction. All right, I said all that to move on to Jonah. Um, and this message, uh, as we wrap up the uh, this series on Jonah. Who's enjoyed Jonah? Who's enjoyed Jonah? Come on, it's been fun, Adam. It's been good. God has just shown me so many things. Uh, I hope... He's shown you things, and he's, he's grown your faith through the book because he definitely has mine each week. Each week, I'm growing more and more. Um, and this last one, gosh, I really I started feeling it like three or four weeks ago, and I really just wanted to skip all the middle part and get to it because I think it's just powerful. It's so good how this book ends. Y'all familiar with the mic drop? Some of you are. Remember, President Obama did it. Not uh, Well, he was president. He was at some event, and... Uh, it's really this idea that you've said something uh, so impactful, so important, so true, uh, so triumphant that you don't need to say anything else. And so people literally, either they'll do some amazing performance or they'll say something, and they literally just like drop the mic and walk off, right? That's what they do. You've seen it. You've heard it. <clears throat> As I was reading this uh, three or four weeks ago, and I read the end of the, this book, I was like, Man, it just comes to this, like, urgent end. And uh, so let's read it. I want you to see what happens. And I've kind of uh, referenced it a little bit. But I want you to hear what happens. Jonah 4, verse 5. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Y'all remember this from last week, right? He was pouting. He was sulking. He was mad because he had gone to Nineveh. He had done what God asked him to do. He preached to them, and they all repented, and he was mad about it. We find that Jonah was a man with a divided heart. He was being obedient on the outside, but rebellious on the inside, and it came out in this situation. He really just did not want the Ninevites saved. He believed they should get what they deserved because they were his enemy, and he hated them. So when God did save them, 
he went out and was, I guess, still hoping that God would change his mind. It says he made this shelter outside the city and was watching. I'm sure the shelter wasn't that great. I doubt he went to Lowe's, picked up some two-by-fours. Right, he's probably piecing this together with whatever he could find. But he's sitting there. He's sulking, and I use the story of Roz kind of sitting on the couch upset last week uh, to help you kind of see this illustration of how we do this to God. We get frustrated, we get angry with God, and we go sit on the couch, and we, we puff up, and we pout, and we're waiting. We don't understand that. We, we found that that's a, that's a, in our heart, that's us saying we know better than God. We know better than God, and you, we will find out in this book and in life and in all the Bible that we never know better than God. We never know better than God. But that's what Jonah was thinking. Uh, in verse 6, it says, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Don't you love it that at the times when you are turning your back on God, when you, you've given up and you don't care and you're sulking, that he comes. And that he will put things in your life that show you that he still loves you. That he still cares about you. And this way he did for Jonah. Had this plant grow up around him. Because apparently his uh, shelter was not that great. So God gave him some shade. The very next day though. And God is it's amazing how he's working with Jonah here. But at dawn the next day God provided a worm. Which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. A second time he said that. God looks at Jonah and says, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah says, it is. Yeah, I'm mad about the plant, God, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. This is this is this divisive heart coming out from Jonah. This is the human side, the flesh side of Jonah talking with God. But here we find this last statement in the book of Jonah from God. It says, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. He's saying, Jonah, you care so much about this plant that you didn't have anything to do with. You didn't make it. You didn't plant it. You didn't grow it. I gave it to you. What right do you have to be mad that it withered away? And then he sums that up and says, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? And he, God goes on to say there's 120,000 people there and animals. And the 120,000 people, they don't know right from wrong. They don't know left from right. Uh, they, they don't know what they're doing. Should I not care about them? So there's the mic drop. There it is. That's God speaking to Jonah. He's been pursuing him this whole book, this whole time, the whole story. And God sums it up by saying, Jonah, should I, you, you care about this plant. Should I not care about the people of Nineveh. And what's Jonah say? We don't know because he dropped the mic. 
dropped the mic. I got it out. He dropped the mic. There's no verse 12. It's a pretty abrupt ending, right? And we talked last week, wouldn't you, don't you wish Jonah would have ended at chapter 3 when Jonah was obedient? He went and preached to the Ninevites. They all repented. God saved. God didn't, you know, he didn't destroy the city. That's a great ending. This, not so much. Like, it's not an ending. It's so abrupt. Like, I want to know what Jonah said. But there's three things I think we can take away from how this book ends and apply to our own life. The first thing, the point that God is trying to get across to Jonah is that Jonah cared more about his personal comfort than the people of Nineveh. That's the point he's trying to get to Jonah. He's trying to get that point across to us. He's saying... Jonah, you care more about your personal comfort. You care about this vine. The only good it was doing, this, this leafy plant, the only thing good it was doing was giving you shade. That's, what, that's the reason you're mad and you're bitter and you're upset and angry at God is because you were all shaded and now you're not. You care more about that, your own personal comfort, than you care about the people of Nineveh. <clears throat> He was mad about the plant getting destroyed, but he was mad that the people of Nineveh didn't get destroyed, right? Which is the exact backward of what God is calling them to. And so do we do that? Do we get upset? What do we get angry about with God and in life? When things don't go our way? When, uh, uh, you know, what gets us all out of whack in life when the dishwasher tears up, when our, our van brakes squeak? I'm making real lists here from my own life. When the kids have taken the space heater out into the building to create a fort and so we're freezing in the laundry room. I mean, it's just the little things in life, right, that get you, that get you out of balance. That, and, and if you'd be honest, the things that really get you frustrated and, and get you to the point of emotional are all tied to you. That's our inclination. That was an inclination of Jonah. Remember the story of Nehemiah when he finds out about, about Jerusalem? What's the first thing he did? He wept. He cried not because it wasn't about him. He was crying because his people, the walls had been torn down, the city. He was brokenhearted. If you're going to care about the city, if you're going to care about your neighbor, you got to start there. And that's what God is saying uh, to Jonah here. I'm really not going to spend much time this morning um, on this. Uh, so I want to get to the second point. Second point is, I think Jonah got the point. I was trying to imagine this as I was reading it, how it got to us. How did we get this story? I think these are the words of Jonah. I'm not sure he wrote it down. I think it was probably uh, he told the story somebody to somebody verbally. And if, if you think about it, if that's the way it happened, I want you to imagine this last conversation when Jonah is telling the story. 
He said, I was mad over this vine. I was telling God I just wanted to die. And, and then God looked at me and said, you didn't do anything about that vine. You had nothing to do with it. I did it all. Should I not care about this city? If Jonah was telling the story, he might have went, you get me? You get me? I told you this whole story to tell you this. That all the good and bad in Jonah's life and the things that, because if you look at this, uh, God appointed, God provided. First, he provided a storm for Jonah when he was in the, in the ship. Then he, then he provided a, a, a great fish when Jonah was seeking into the ocean. Uh, and, and then it said, uh, God provided him a, a, this plant, this vine. Then he provided a worm and then a wind and all these things that God was providing Jonah was at the end uh, this, this extreme discomfort is what it took for Jonah to get the point. I'm hopeful that at this point, at the end of this story, Jonah is finally like, oh, right? Like, oh, oh, I've, 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 I've messed up. I've missed this the whole time. Because Jonah was right about some things. One, that uh, the Syrians were his greatest enemy. Um, and this city of Nineveh would become eventually the capital of Assyria. And guess what eventually happens? It's very possible that Jonah was alive when this happened. The Syrians attack Israel. They actually come in and they destroy. They take the people. And so Jonah at some level, has to feel this, this tear inside of him, who's a very patriotic person to the nation of Israel, and sees himself playing some role now in helping the enemy take on his people. And he couldn't get past that to see that God had a bigger plan and a greater plan. But I think at the end of this, he finally got uh, the point. The third thing that I really want us to take um, with us from this story um, and the reason it ends the way it does is I, th I think it was uh, maybe a little open-ended, if you will, to answer a question uh, that says this, what about you? It's what the book of Jonah is speaking to each and every one of us. What about you? What about me? What about us? What would I do? What would you do if you were in Jonah's shoes? If you were Jonah? This question, uh, what does God see in your heart? Are you like Jonah sometimes being obedient on the outside and rebellious on the inside? Are you divided? Are you struggling? And can God, uh, does God see that? Do you have hate in your heart? Are there people? Are there places? Are there things? Who do you love? What are your priorities? What is taking precedence over God in our lives? 
What have we said above him? Is it a career? Is it money? Is it power? Is it our hobbies? Is it, what is it? God was telling Jonah, I want to be first. I want to be first. Or we care more about uh, a car, sports. Y'all watched your gay game yesterday? That's a pretty good game. It ended all right. Up until that point, it was a little. <laughs> um, but do we care about more about those things, about the, the personal comforts in life? Do we care about how we look and what clothes we have and more than we care about the welfare of our neighbors? I was, uh, another thing that happened the last couple of weeks is, y'all remember my uh, friend from India, uh, Vijay, y'all have heard me talk about him before, um, he's a Christian and, you know, we've just kind of built this friendship, he lives down around Bowling Green now, but he was telling me last time I was with him, he was talking about going to church, his wife is from the Philippines and they lived in the Philippines for some time, and um, they, they were, he, he was telling me, he's like, I was a Christian when I lived in the Philippines, and I'd go to the church there. And, uh, I mean, it was just where we lived, it was just real poverty. We don't know real poverty here. <laughs> Let me first say that. We do have, you know, if you look at Pike County, we got 26% of our people live in poverty. That's double the national average. It's around us. But we don't know real poverty like in the Philippines where people are literally starving to death, diseases are rampant. And so he was going to church there. And, um, and he said people were praying for God to provide and bless them financially and, and bless the church. And, and it was really like this desperate situation. He said, and then we moved to Bowling Green. And I started going to church. And they were praying the same prayers. Right, that God would bless us financially. He said, I was going outside and everybody had a car to drive. Everybody's trying to pick between Texas Roadhouse and Applebee's. I thought that's so true. When I was in Ashland this week, uh, the guy's a former pastor that's leading this nonprofit. We sat down to have lunch at uh, Suplex Taco. It's pretty good if you like if you like Mexican food. Um, and we were talking earlier that morning because they're serving a homeless community there. And I was walking through, touring the space, and there was, you know, those homeless people everywhere. Um, and we were talking about the people we've helped through our church and how difficult, how many obstacles are against them. We don't understand it. If you've never been there, you cannot comprehend how difficult it is to dig yourself out of that situation. Especially if you've got some level of, you know, criminal background or you're dealing with addiction. Um, it's just, it's a terrible situation. He was talking about they've got to have an, their ID to get uh, any of the services there. They've got to have a, a legitimate ID. And how many of them don't? Uh, how difficult it is for them to get one. You've got to have a mailing address. Okay, well, I'm homeless. I don't have a mailing address. Well, it's going to be $50. Well, I don't have $50. And so when we, he, was, he prayed a blessing over the food when we were eating lunch. And he said, uh, God, we just re, we repent 
right now for the times we take things for granted. You know, I'm sitting there waiting to eat my burrito. I was all happy, you know. And all of a sudden, God just stabbed me in the heart. Right? Right there at Suplex Taco. I said, are you taking things for granted? Are you more concerned about your personal comfort than the well-being of our neighbors? And this is a question uh, as I get ready to wrap up here. Y'all can't believe this. I'm almost finished. Uh, The question is not where can God use me the most, but where can God change me the most? Not where God can use you, but where can God change you? Because this is the story. God's will is not necessarily a place, but it's a heart and a character. And this is the story of Jonah. I got to get a drink to finish this point. This is what one person wrote. I'm just going to read you a little paragraph here. It says, Jonah is about God's mission to the heart of a man. We've gone through all these series, this entire series. And, uh, you know, when I started, I always think about Jonah. I think, oh, the the main lesson of Jonah is when God tells you to do something, you better do it. Or you'll end up in the belly of a well. That's it. Pretty, pretty much it. It's about obedience. All right? That's in the first chapter or two. Like, all right, that, that is a point within this book, but it's not the point of the book. And then, you know, we see hit God's compassion on Nineveh, and we think, okay, the point of this is that we should have compassion on our neighbors. We should have compassion on the people who don't deserve compassion, who've not earned it, that we should care about uh, uh, drug addicts, the, the people that we think don't deserve it, that we should actually care and have compassion. That's here, but I don't think that's it. I think the point of this book uh, is not trying to keep you from disobeying. The point of this book is what I just read, that this is about not Jonah's mission to Nineveh, uh, not, not the, the pagan sailors getting saved, not Nineveh repenting. Uh, the, the mission of this story is about how God pursues us, how God chases after man's heart. And that's what this whole book is about. At the end, we find that God is relentlessly pursuing Jonah. God's mission to the heart of man. This is often the most difficult mission to undertake. The text leaves us hanging on whether the mission was successful or not. The reason? What about you? What is your heart condition? Work on our heart and teach us something about him and his character. I'm going to close there. And ask this question. 
that God is looking at us. He's saying to us, just like he said, should I not care about Nineveh? He's saying to us, should I not care about Pikeville? Should I not care about the neighbor that you've given up on? Should I not care about the part of the community uh, that we've written off? Should I not care? Should I not care about the things that you've taken for granted? And we find this whole story is really a love story between God and Jonah. And what I think you can do and what what I'm going to ask you to do is can you see in your life how God has pursued your heart? How God has pursued your heart. Can you see as you stand and we get ready for this song? Can you see that God didn't really care about the obedience of Jonah? He did care, but what he was trying to get to is trying to reveal that Jonah, you just need a heart change. He's saying the same thing to you this morning. Can you see how God has thrown good and bad into your life? And you can be so thankful and know that God loves you. That God has compassion for you. And life is not hopeless. How is your heart this morning? As Wayland sings. asking is give me your heart all the other things follow
the grace and the mercy is there for you. He's pursuing your heart this morning. pursuing Jonah here. All part of the story that led to the, the promise to the Messiah of Jesus Christ himself. That teaches the same thing that in the heart of man. That the heart of man can be made new. That we can try as hard as we can on the outside to live right and do right and be right and we can't do it. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short. That there's none righteous except one. But that in that step of faith, we can be set free from the bondage of sin, the guilt that we bear, the hopelessness, the separation from God that we feel can be restored just simply through faith and confession of Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen to this. This altar is open if you want to come pray this morning. this morning for pursuing your heart this was such a statement of truth and a point of clarity for John I hope you found that here this morning that 
you can know that God loves you. His mercy and his grace is free. He paid the price on the cross that we deserved. And just like he pursued Jonah, that's the story. He pursues the heart of man. But it's up to us to turn it over to him, to invite him in, and put our hope and trust in him. God, we come to you this morning so thankful.